Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle, a production of the Emory Marketing Analytics Center, uh, located online at www.fanaliticswithmikelewis.com. So, Doug, this morning is a, well, one of these kind of, I don't know, standard uh, sports environments where there's some stuff going on. Uh, There's no (laughs) games being, well, I guess there's a couple games being played and there's some cars driving around uh, empty uh, racetracks. But um, there's a bunch of little things going on. So what's uh, what's top of mind for yourself? Or I can jump in either way. Yeah, yeah. The, the term that we've heard so often during quarantine is the new normal. And this is the new normal um, for our show and for sports. But uh, the MLS returned this past week quietly. Barely heard a peep about that. And next thing you know, they're out you know, they're playing on television. So that's going on. We're 10 days out from, uh, well, well, let's, let's stay there for a second. I mean, MLS is an interesting one to me because it seems like they've been getting traction the last few years that they, um, I, and, and I teach to predominantly younger people, obviously at a university setting. And, uh, you know, if, if I had to guess, if you're looking at the generation Z that they would say MLS was the fourth sport uh, that it has supplanted hockey in terms of that. But, you know, as an observer of this, have you seen much discussion about MLS and all this, uh, sort of getting back into playing the games? Not exactly, but I do know, again, quietly, they're doing this at Disney World, just like the NBA. And so uh, the idea is kind of that they can be a guinea pig for some of the other major sports. Um, and see how it goes. And so far, they've, I mean, they're a couple days in and we've had multiple games postponed due to outbreaks on teams and games canceled and rescheduled. It's It's been interesting, uh, but they are playing games and, and people are and t- watching. But teams also dropping out of the tournament, right? And I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I don't know exactly what that means. Do you? Um, so they're having a return tournament, I guess like a, Trying to think what the name was. It was like return to soccer tournament or return to sports tournament. Soccer loves to have tournaments. I know. Yeah, um, it looks like it's set up kind of like a World Cup kind of thing where they they're broken into groups um, by letters. So I was watching a game the other day and it was like Group E. But we're seeing what happens when just one player gets it on one team and they take the whole team out for a little what bit. What happens after the back tournament? Do they go back to the regular season? And, and look, um, I'll, I'll I'll say this as we go into this. I, I and we talked about this a couple of weeks. I think all we have this year, maybe in twenty twenty, all we have is exhibition seasons, and maybe that's the way to look at it. Yeah, it's so late, and when the season would be anyway. Um, that I yeah, I think you're right. I think this will probably be it. You know, at this point, the MLB season shortened. The NBA season is practically a tournament with eight games before or a couple maybe a little more than that did did you see the picture i forget which player sent it out the picture of the hotel room it, it, it is the player actually <laughs> in a, i'm referring to something from social media no they didn't put the no. players in motel six did they they're at no, some no, disney no. resort right no that was rajon rondo um who actually recently broke his finger and is going to be out for a while um but he was complaining about 
the treatment that they're getting and he was at one of the actual resorts at disney world and so which is a nice place and um it's all relative my friend yeah it's a place (laughs) where i would i would pay the big bucks to go stay and probably would love it but yeah he was he was complaining saying motel six huh like on his on his instagram (laughs) um and everyone was was trashing him on the social media for uh for i guess being a little silver spoonish on, on that one anyway yeah the nba they had the first two days they had like all packaged meals and it kind of looked like airline okay okay so that situation. was the other one right that uh yeah joel Embiid uh tweeted or i, I want to say tweeted but i guess it's all it's all on the instagram now right that he had pictures of his food being delivered it seemed to be some sort of salad and chicken breasts is that <laughs> yeah, yeah they were... it's hard to take seriously right but am i getting this right yeah, no, that that sounds about right, and uh, several of the players were complaining about that. But that was just a, I think for forty eight hours thing. So that's that's come and gone, and uh, apparently it wasn't as bad as they made it look in some of the pictures. Some of the other players were were saying it was fine, but the, I guess those guys are used to having unlimited freedom and you know ultimate treatment all the time. That being confined to anything is is a big. Uh, I guess a kind of like a wake up call to what this is going to be like and that they don't have all the freedom that they normally have. Well, you know what? I'm going to applaud it though. Um, and I'm going to applaud this as a, I'm going to say something. I'm a, I'm a marketing guy by profession, a marketing professor, but I'm going to say something. I'm going to applaud the anti-marketing because I think this becomes a news story, right? Because in a way these guys are not staying on brand, which is one of the things that marketing <laughs> folks, they're, they're not always promoting Disney. Yeah, well, they, you know, marketing folks will always make me nuts by just talking about, you know, you got to maintain the brand, the brand, the brand. Um, and so it's amusing when these players come in and they're not talking the party line. They got a lousy meal. They're going, they're taking a, they're pulling out the phone, taking a picture, posting it, done. So it's, uh, uh, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing how this sports thing uh, progresses, but it's kind of, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be amused by some of the bumps in the road, particularly over some of the silly stuff. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of funny for, uh, for Disney because they're bringing these guys on and obviously they're making some money from it. But I think part of the deal for them is it, it is, could be a way to promote their brand and, and their parks. And there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road with that. Obviously we've seen guys comparing their resorts to motel six on the internet and it going viral Um, Not exactly what Disney had in mind, I would assume. But also, once we get games going, and I've heard that they're going to have the guys mic'd up some, but that they might have to time delay the games because of language. Um, But I don't think they might be underestimating how much language is used between players because I can't imagine Disney really wanting to present what all is being said during an NBA basketball game. Oh, yeah. I, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the branding side of this and, you know, the branding side of this, right? So this playing a Disney, it is, uh, it, it's, it's being played at Disney. It's being covered by ESPN, you know, I, I think for the most part, they've got the most coverage of all this, who is owned by Disney. And ESPN has a lot of TV deals with, with the NBA. So it's, uh, you know, I think this is one of the things where people have to realize that sport, you know, look, Vince McMahon was a genius, sports entertainment, and now you've got these layers of brands that are all together. 
uh, producing an entertainment product with a competitive element. And, and so, right, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that nothing is going to go out without careful consideration. doesn't mean they're going to get it right, but everything is going to be put out there in terms of, uh, you know, putting a product out there. I, I would guess you're going to see very few uh, Instagram posts about uh, accommodations or food going forward because this is a business and uh, all the stakeholders are in this together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another part of the, the whole branding aspect for Disney is they want to keep things safe, right? Like they're reopening their parks and that's been a big story, um, controversial story, kind of this idea that they're, they may be prioritizing the financials over the safety of their fans. Um, but yeah, but I wouldn't, safety, I mean, if you, if you had to go to, have you been to Disney, Doug? Oh yeah. I love that place. Okay. But wouldn't it be great to go now? Half capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, half capacity no, no would be no crowds. <laughs> half capacity would be amazing. Wearing a mask in that hot, humid, okay, yeah. hundred ten degree Florida weather. I don't know if I would make it. I think I might That's pass true. out. But all that to say is that you know the safety aspect has got to be real important for Disney. And I read where Greg Popovich actually said that because he's in his seventies, um, head coach for the San Antonio Spurs. For those not familiar, but. He said that he actually feels safer in the NBA bubble um, than he would at his home in Texas because I guess partially because of all that's going on in Texas, but also because of all the precautions Disney's taking. They're taking this thing very seriously and um, probably it probably feels over the top to a lot of people, but just purely, if nothing else, for a branding standpoint, um, they cannot have this turn into a an outbreak and you know where the whole thing backfires it, it could be very negative for the brand well and i i suspect and i'm you know in, in terms of I, I suspect for you and for a lot of people too the other part of this is we're eagerly awaiting the nba the the you know there's the most coverage of the nba and it has to do with how they've set up the structure right it's easy to cover it uh, yeah. but whatever happens with the nba seems like that is going to uh, that's going to be uh, this is going to determine how everything else plays out. Um, what do you think about the the shift now? And, and I think this is almost universal across the conferences, or at least it seems like if they're not there already, they're going to be of at least shutting down the non-conference games, only playing conference seasons. And you're referring to college football. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Last week, Pac-12 and Big Ten announced decisions for conference-only games. Uh, rumored that the ACC is going to do the same. It seems like at that point, everyone has to follow suit because they are already having games they have to reschedule. And for those wondering why, because there is the question like, okay, well, is it actually safer to play a team you know, that's 500 miles away versus a team that's 1,000 miles away? Like, I don't see how that's any safer. It, it comes down to... The testing and, and kind of the more logistical yeah. side of handling COVID where the conferences well, have well, control. Well, and let, let me let me point out some of the marketing side of this, too. And, uh, you know, th- this yeah. is not the old – this is not old times where uh, the University of Iowa was getting on a bus and going two and a half hours to Champaign, Illinois, right? This is now mm-hmm. – uh, you know, the, the Big Ten goes from Iowa to New Jersey with Rutgers – 
the SEC goes from Florida to Missouri. So, you know, part of this, you know, in terms of the logistics, these are all these leagues are fairly national at this point. Um, and those were moves made for marketing issues. So this is, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know. I get what you're saying that it's um, more easy to control. I also think part of it is to buy a little bit more time, right? You can push the season back two, three weeks before you start if you need to. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, with less games too, uh, like if they play a eight or 10 game season as opposed to 12, uh, if they play it in that same time span, it gives them a little flexibility if they need to reschedule due to an outbreak uh, or something of that nature. And so I think it might be the only way college football can happen. I'm still skeptical um, from what hey, I you, know. At, you want to know a great part of this? Um, I'm not yeah. a I'm not a born and bred uh, SEC guy. So now when the Big Ten uh, champion is undefeated and the ACC champion is undefeated, it's going to be more difficult for the SEC folks to say that uh, all the SEC teams, including those with one or two losses, deserve to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and <laughs> in my opinion, and you know, I'm I'm biased because my team is in the SEC. Um, but in my opinion, there will be more undefeated teams because if you look at a team like Ohio State or uh, Oregon or Clemson, often their most difficult games are out of conference. And so when you make it just conference games, we may end up with like five or six or seven undefeated teams. And if they do a playoff, you know, you get four spots and there's going to be a lot of controversy. And so I feel like if they do it this way, they got to expand the playoff for this year only. So that, that could be a whole nother discussion, oh. you know, f- for another day. But I, I can it, certainly foresee no, that. It's a good point. It's almost like you, it's a good way to actually get to the expanded playoff, which is clearly something a lot of folks want to do. Yeah, and I'm I'm not the biggest advocate of it. It's not something where I often feel passionate enough to really speak up on. But uh, in this scenario, I absolutely think there could be, you know, a one-loss team that's played. You know, I mean, if we look at, and I know I'm biased again to Georgia, but, you know, they, they play Alabama in the regular season. Uh, it's possible that they're a top four team, uh, but they aren't undefeated. Or same with Bama if, if they were to lose to Georgia. So, yeah, college football is interesting with uh, with everything that's going on. There's a lot of discussion as to whether to move the season to spring. And one bit of backlash uh, I've seen on that is Urban Meyer, former Florida Gators coach and coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes national championships at both, has come out and said that he thinks from a player safety standpoint that it's actually worse to have it in the spring because it's unlikely that things will be much better as far as the pandemic's concerned. But pandemic aside, requiring those players to play a full season in spring and then in the coming fall, um, he thought would be too much on wear and tear on their bodies and that the offseason's length is is what's necessary for, for them to be healthy. Well, and I, again, I think we just got to it gets a little frustrating to be a commentator on this. And all we're doing is speculating. It's like all the, you know, the dominoes have to start to fall in terms of how MLS, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, how these all go before we even get there. It's, um, I I frankly struggle with, um, I struggle with seeing how this is going to play out. Um, You know, one of the other little asides and all this that I thought was interesting. And again, there's there's so much marketing that drives this 
oh, is yeah. that while they might be moving to non to conference schedules only, it sounds like the ACC was going to help Notre Dame fill out their schedule, right? So it's um, <laughs> so these things only go so far until hey, there's uh, one of the top three or four brands in college football that's left hanging by this shift to conference only schedules. Uh, so somehow we'll adapt and help that group out. Yeah. And Notre Dame's one that, uh, you know, if they have a conference only schedule, it's going to be an inter squad scrimmage throughout the season. Um, but this is something that could force them finally into a conference. Um, and that's another big story that, that could evolve out of this because for years they've been criticized for partaking in conference play in, in basketball, but not in football. Um, I would welcome them in the SEC, given that we're two and Georgia's two and zero against <laughs> Notre Dame in recent years. But uh, but I don't I don't foresee that. Okay, let let me ask you a different different kind of question. Heard uh, heard some discussion this morning uh, about quarterbacks, and uh, so Dak Prescott about a thirty two million dollar deal, I believe. Um, they are also in the process of negotiating whether or not it's going to be a longer-term deal of four years versus five years. In comparison, the Patriots are on the hook for less than $2.8 million with Cam Newton and a couple of other guys on the roster. Right. I think this is an interesting thing to watch play out. And really potentially a, a, an important story going into the NFL and potentially important over the next couple of years this issue of cost containment in terms of in terms of positions so the the patriots have uh, i forget the guy's name but i think they got a third or fourth round second year player a journeyman kind of backup and then a Jared, Jared former Stidham. star sorry go on Jarrett Stidham and then Brian Hoyer and then okay. Cam Newton. And then a former star playing for incentives and, you know, sort of on a comeback trail. That's an interesting, I mean, and maybe a comparison between the Cowboys and the Patriots isn't fair. But if you go across the league, and maybe Kirk Cousins, who it also apparently has made more money than any NFL player over the last three seasons. The quarterback position, is this something that you now have to look at both in terms of the quality of the players and the amount that you're spending? And so would you rather have the Patriots situation at, at quarterback and a $10 million receiver and a $10 million running back? Or would you rather have the you know, the Minnesota Vikings uh, situation at quarterback or the Dallas Cowboys situation at quarterback? Right. It's a great question, Mike. Because in the NFL, the quarterback position is so important. We've seen that it's often difficult to be a perennial contender without having, um, you know, a top five, top ten quarterback. At the same time, oftentimes what it takes to keep those guys around is a contract that limits your ability elsewhere, whether it's at receiver and offensive line, but even on the defensive side of the ball. And we've seen that with teams like the Green Bay Packers um, surrounding Aaron Rodgers with talent or enough talent to, to compete has always been difficult. And Brady's uh, contract situations in New England tended to be a nice balance that enabled the Patriots to 
build around him while also keeping him happy. You know, as far as would I rather have the cowboy situation, which is will likely be a top five paid Dak Prescott or, you know, be the Patriots with a very cheap Cam Newton. Um, I don't think the marginal difference is, is very much at this point between those two players. And, and so with what it will allow the Patriots to do elsewhere, me personally, I'd rather be in their position, but I can absolutely understand the argument that you have to have one of these top guys to compete on a yearly basis. And uh, that's, that's, Obviously, what the Chiefs have done, making Pat Mahomes the longest tenured quarterback, if not the highest paid, for the next ten years. Well, I'll, and let like, let me say something about Mahomes, and this might be unfair, but the the contract, and I'm not going to claim any expertise on why it was structured the way it is. It kind of struck me as silly why the contract would be that long. Because can you you imagine a scenario and, and let's say that sports recovers, so this is just a blip, and you continue to see growth in the top quarterback salaries of a couple million dollars a year. Then five years out, Mahomes is actually going to be underpaid. Yep. Right? I agree. Assuming that he's on his path to uh, you know, compete with Brady for six Super Bowl rings going for seven. And and so what is the point beyond just is is it a publicity game to to put it out there that we're locking this guy up for a decade? It seems um, it, it seems strange because like I said, either he will either be if he's performing at the top level, he'll be underpaid. If he's taken some injuries and the performance has diminished, he will be overpaid, and they'll be in a position where they're going to have to potentially uh, cut him right after the guaranteed money is paid out. So it's a it's a strange beast that they've put out there. Yeah, in my opinion, it's an insurance policy um, for him. You know, if he goes out in game one next year, tears both Achilles <laughs> tendons. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, he's he's guaranteed pay, and he's earned that. You know, he's he's earned the ability to do that and, and to get that kind of guarantee. Uh, from Kansas City's perspective, I think they – Obviously, when you have a player like Patrick Mahomes, you do what it takes to keep him around. So, yeah, they're going to give him that policy. But also for them, it... Okay, but 2029? It it ensures that they have rights to him, you know, for for as long as they can. And I think even when you talk about, you know, 2031, his last year there, um, even if he's not the player he is then, I think they would take that trade in order to have prime Pat Mahomes um, and have him happy you know, will take on some of the later years of his career when maybe he's not as good of a player. Yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, it's, it's again, you know, from my perspective, kind of looking at this all as sort of ongoing experiments and kind of the laboratory of all this. I think it's great because it's uh, how, how does these, I love when these kind of things take place and then we can watch how they, how, watch how they play out. Um, you know, the NFL salary cap is all the salary caps are, or all the salary caps are going to be revenue sharing and CBAs. This COVID-19 year with half sports or without sports is going to have interesting implications for all of that stuff. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, Doug. So anything else, uh, anything else top of mind, anything else you want to delve into for a couple minutes here? Oh man. Uh, the Redskins are officially changing their name. Dan Snyder uh, has, and this is picking up on last week's conversation, but Dan Snyder, who a few years back said he would absolutely never, in all caps. Um, 2013, right? 
yeah. 2013, 2014, I think. Yeah. Right. Changed the name it is now saying uh, that that they're going to do it. And so it was funny. The statement they put out essentially said, we want something that can be embraced by our sponsors and our fans for the next hundred years. Um, so clearly, <laughs> I, I think the sponsorship aspect, it's at the end of the day, sports is a business. And even someone as stubborn or perceived to be as stubborn as Dan Snyder is going to act in his own self-interest when, when there's money at stake. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as, as folks listening to this, and as you know, Doug, you know, I wrote a, an article about this five, six years ago, uh, making the business case for it. And it's interesting to see how it played out in that this decision really does seem to have been uh arrived at due to the business interests of the pressure of FedEx and the pressure exerted by uh, Nike as well. Uh, any thoughts or any, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, my guess is they're going to have a name out there in a really just a very short time frame. With the season coming, it's almost, it's, they have to, right? They've got to get something out there so they can have new jerseys, new signage. Um, not that it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a fairly significant job. So we're ex- I would expect to see something by the end of the week. Uh, in terms of the rumors that are leaking out, we've got almost the generic warriors, the you know sort of the half step away from the current uh, team name, or the the other one they were talking about uh, this morning was, and I've seen this advocated by students in my class when we've done these these projects is the something about the hogs. Uh, what are you thinking? The one I keep seeing uh, the most often is the Washington Red Tails. And part of it is because it would enable them to maintain their current color scheme. Um, and a lot of the logos I've seen proposed actually look fantastic. And it looks like, you know, something that would be great. It's obviously a reference uh, to the well, Tuskegee Airmen. Well, let me ask Airmen. you this. So do you, that's the one you're seeing? That's the one you're predicting? Is that the one you like? I got to admit, I kind of like the hogs. I think it's a little more. <laughs> the hogs. Uh, yeah, I think it's more interesting. It's a little different. You know, it's funny you say that. I'm actually on uh, hoghaven.com, which is the SB Nation for uh, Redskins fans. And they kind of have a little logo for their website. So it's obviously already integrated to to their current branding and would allow them to smoothly transition better. I think that's important. But what I was going to say with the Red Tails is, to me, I think they need to go or they have to. They're kind of in a position where they have to go with the safest move from a you know political correctness standpoint. To me, the Red Tails is a really interesting one because, yes, it is a tribute to the World War II Tuskegee Airmen which of course, you know, was a group of African-Americans. And to me, where that gets interesting is what really makes it that much different, switching from one oppressed minority group to another with Native American people to to African-American people. Um, And so that's something I could see down the line being considered racist to have your mascot be a type of person that's a minority that was oppressed and and that kind of thing um so to me it's like they almost got to go with an animal or a color or something super generic like the brooklyn nets you know like it's literally the net like they could be the washington goalposts <laughs> something well, so so safe that it's never going to offend anyone and i and i think you know one of the challenges in all this is talking about it ends up being a problem right 
where any discussion, you know, do I say Redskin or do I say Redskins or do I say the Washington football team, right? That it becomes something where, and again, I don't even know what terminology we want to put it into this political correctness, social justice, that whenever we're talking about it, suddenly it feels like there's landmines all around. Yep. And it's and it's gotten, you know, th- this is a terrible situation in a lot of ways because it's not even that there are landmines all around. It's like, well, where am I going to step that in the future is going to be a landmine, right? That exactly. what is, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now, what am I going to say that is now suddenly appalling to the the current fashions uh, out there. And and so I, I, I largely agree with you that, uh, you know, and I've been on record that I thought, you know, the, the home run, and I still think this a little bit is to somehow do something that captures the, that pays homage to the native American groups, something like maybe what the Florida state did with the Seminoles in terms of reaching a deal, making them a formal stakeholder. But is that great to sort of formally embed politics into your entertainment product? And that does leave me back to, uh, again, something like the hogs where, look, you're, you're capturing some of the, the past. And it's uh, in some ways a hog. Is it, Hog's a great nickname, isn't it? Kind of a fun nickname as well. Um, you know, it's like the big old, you know, kind of these big old off. Who doesn't love an offensive lineman, right? And, and so, <laughs> what what kind of tone do you want to get on this change? Do you want to do something that is going to sort of leave you still in this political realm, or do you want to try and step outside of that? And it's, um, I suspect, in the long term, you want to you want to step outside of that. Now, if they go to an animal name, I have no other no idea what the what the name could be except hog at this point without it feeling fairly generic. Right. But even with hog, it comes to a point where like could PETA get involved in the future and, and it become another controversy. I'm partly kidding. Um, but it, you know, like you said, yeah. it's one of those things where we're always looking ahead and, and thinking, am I going to be on the wrong side of history in 50 years? Is this something they're going to use against me when I try to run for president? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the other, the only other thing I want to want to mention today, and uh, I, sh- I should check with you, we're going to release the next class in Fanalytics University this week. Correct, Doug? That is correct. Okay, so this week we turn to what I think uh, a part of the class that really is the I was going to say the the sexy part, but is it's really kind of the stuff that drives a lot of folks to want to get into this realm. The idea of working in sports, being a sports analyst, is attractive to a lot of folks. Uh, I tend, I, when I start the course, I talk about fandom, obviously, because fandom's the the end goal. But the interesting part for really most people, I think, is the on-field side, the player analytics side. So in this week's class, we start to dive into. Uh, advanced statistics. So we spend most of the ep- most of the class episode taking apart a couple of advanced statistics. Specifically, we look at the NFL passer rating, and then spend a bunch of time on a baseball statistic of on base plus slugging. So that will be published Thursday morning. I absolutely encourage you guys to, if you haven't been following along, you can start from the beginning, or you, you can jump right in in terms of advanced statistics. Um, 
You got a last word, Doug? Or you just want to say goodbye to the folks? Oh, no. My last word is I'm still in favor of the Washington Wookiees. A little Star Wars reference. The more realistic one I like is the Washington Warriors. Uh, But like you said, we'll probably find that out in the next week. Also, this time next week, we will be anticipating and days away from from baseball and basketball's return, I guess, unless something changes, which like – Dear Lord, please don't let it change because I'm just too excited to have sports back. (laughs) Okay, so we got a little bet going here. I'm going hogs, some variant of hogs. Doug's going warriors, and I'll 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 let you go warriors and wookies. I'll let you throw those in together. Wookies is not something. Yeah, it's not going to happen, but I want it to. And they, I will. I'm a New York Giants fan. They're in division rivals with the Reds with the R words, and I will switch my fandom if they become the wookies. You heard it right here. Write it down. Beautiful. Okay, so till next week, thank you guys. Uh, Check it out. Sweet.